I was at the doctor's office recently. I've kind of reached that point in life where I think I see the doctor more than I get to church. Some of you may understand what I'm saying. And they were having a problem with my blood pressure. And uh, they'd take it, then they'd stop and wait a while, and they'd take it again, and they'd stop and wait a while. And They got ready to take it a third time, and I told the nurse, I said, you know what? I said, have you ever tried putting that cuff around someone's neck? And she said, well, no. I said, if they've got a problem with high blood pressure, put it around their neck, pump it up, and in about three minutes, they'll never have high blood pressure again. <laughs> it's so good to be with you today. When Sandy and I come here, we feel like we're home. And uh, that doesn't happen everywhere you go to church. I've had churches that I served, I didn't feel like I was at home. But when God's people worship, when we actively, intentionally lift up the name of Jesus, as we move into worship, just as we have just now, It opens the door for God to show up because God inhabits the praises of his people. I've got to praise him. I have to worship him. Surely there are times at home we'll go into what we call the red room and just sit down and just start worshiping the Lord. And before we know it, an hour, hour and a half is gone. But God has shown up. And when God shows up, that makes all the difference. Reading this morning from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 to 29. Uh, The translation I'm using is called the message. Hear the word of the Lord. Unlike your ancestors, you didn't come to Mount Sinai all that volcanic blaze and earth-shaking rumble to hear God speak, the ear-splitting words and the soul-shaking message terrified them, and they begged God to stop. When they heard the words, if an animal touches the mountain, it's as good as dead. They were afraid to move. Even Moses was terrified. No, that's not your experience at all. You've come to Mount Zion the city where the living God resides. The invisible Jerusalem is populated by throngs of festive angels and Christian citizens. It is the city where God is judge with judgments that make us just. You have come to Jesus who presents us with a new covenant, a fresh charter from God. He is the mediator of this covenant. The murder of Jesus, unlike Abel's, A homicide that cried out for vengeance became a proclamation of grace. So don't turn a deaf ear to these gracious words. If those who ignored earthly warnings didn't get away with it, what will happen to us if we turn our backs on heavenly warnings? His voice that time shook the earth to its foundations. This time, He's told us this quite plainly. He'll also rock the heavens. One last shaking from top to bottom, stem to stern. The phrase, 
One last shaking means a thorough house cleaning, getting rid of all the historical and religious junk so that the unshakable essentials stand clear and uncluttered. Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God. For God is not an indifferent bystander. He's actively cleaning house, torching all that needs to burn, and he won't quit till it's all cleansed. God himself is fire. Lord, I ask for the power and presence of your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts this day. May we say even as David said that his word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against him. Lord, we can do nothing without you. Move upon our hearts this day. Manifest your presence in a special way as we continue in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. History. History affects all of us. Some of us are at a point in life where they're writing history that we experienced, putting it in the history books. Right, wrong, or indifferent, and they tend to want to write what they want to today, which I don't understand. History. There's that argument, uh, nature versus nurture. We, we watch in animals. We raise Scottish deerhounds, many of you know. Yeah, and we also rescued a Padenko from the Canary Islands. And the history that they have gone through, these dogs, especially the Padenko. That dog is crazy. That's a true story. You don't have to be a vet psychiatrist to understand it either. That poor dog had been through so much in the Canary Islands. Uh, they abused them severely. And Sandy had been watching and following a group that rescues them from the Canary Islands and from Spain. When they get done with these dogs, if they don't breed them by the time they're two years old, they kill them. And they do not kill them in a humane fashion. Their existence and their sociology uh, has to do with understanding other dogs, but not human beings. They keep them in shelters that are not much more than a cement igloo. Well, Sandy's sitting at the computer one day, and you would think I would learn when she says, come and look at this. And I, was, I saw a picture of this beautiful black dog. She said, what do you think? I said, oh, I said, that's beautiful. I like it. She said, that's good. We just bought it. Brought that dog home, put it in a little crate in our bedroom. For two months, I didn't know the dog could bark. It never made a peep until my huge dog wandered in the bedroom one morning, and all of a sudden, that little dog barked. To get that dog out, she would not come out of that crate. We had to put her in a crate that we could unzip the top so that we try, could try to reach in and put a leash as she cowered and shook in the corner. But the strangest thing, when we would get that leash on that dog, all of a sudden it was like, 
oh, what are we doing? Get her out, and we could let the deer hounds out with her, and they're a lot bigger than she is. They could not catch her. She would run them and, until they were ready to drop, and then she would come to the door like, you got something else for me? Uh, we've had her, what, two years now? A little longer. A little longer. Going on three. Right now, when we get back to the house, that dog will be hiding somewhere, but waiting to see her. That's her dog. And when that dog sees me, if she's not nearby, that dog will run down the hall and hide. I had no idea. Uh, one night, we were having a terrible time getting her in the house. And being black, that uh, deep black coat, get her out in the darkness, we could not see her. We, we actually bought a special collar for her that lights up. Yeah. Well, we didn't have that collar this one night. And, and Sandy said, I can't find her. Well, I'm into lights. I, I like the lights that you have here. I think LED lights too. Thank God you put them in. You, I'm not going to have to worry about replacing one before I die. They last forever. But I've collected some lights. And I said, well, I'll get my lights out. We'll find her. Not knowing. She was scared to death of a flashlight. Yeah. And here I am. I took this big light, rechargeable. Had it out in the lane. Turn that thing on bright. There was a helicopter come over. One, one have permission to land. But you see, the history of this dog has affected this dog forever. For some of us, we have a history that affects us forever. For some of us, we've needed to be healed from the history that we came from. And dear friend, God is still in the healing business. God is still God of the miraculous. The children of Israel, this generation that the writer's talking to, he told them, he said, you didn't experience what happened at Sinai. And he goes on to say how terrifying it was with the smoke and the fire and God speaking and the time that was involved. At one point, after the first six or seven days where Moses went to the mountain waiting to hear from God, suddenly God spoke. And then another time when he went back up on the mountain, up there for 40 days and 40 nights, waiting to hear from God. That's quite a history. And in the history of Mount Sinai, we have the record of the earthquakes and, and the things that were happening when God shows up. God is a holy God. The minute we enter into God's presence and the minute we experience the manifested presence of God, it's a humbling experience because of the awesomeness of a holy God. The Word declares that on the other side of the cross, no man had ever looked on God and lived. 
And the children of Israel understood when God spoke that they couldn't even allow cattle to get close to the barriers that were set up for fear that they would have to die. What a history. <laughs> Where would we be today if that's the way God showed up on Sunday mornings, on Saturday mornings, on Wednesday night? Where would we be if suddenly there was a thick cloud and we would hear a voice come out of the cloud and speak to us? Where would we be? You got it. You've got it. So we see this history. We've studied it, haven't we? The children of Israel had just been set free from Egypt's bondage. They watched the miracles that God sent to try to soften Pharaoh's heart. They saw what took place till finally God told Moses, go tell him he's not going to tolerate he won't be able to deal with this last curse. And that's when the children of Israel were told to apply the blood to the doorpost and the lintel so that the angel of death would pass over them. The Passover was instituted. And isn't it interesting that after all that happened, Pharaoh's heart still hardened. And he chased the people of God. Listen to what I'm saying today because it has to do, dear friends, where we live right now. We know how God brought the children of Israel across that huge body of water. And to save them, how God caused that water to close up on Pharaoh's army. You know, it's only been about five years ago. They actually have found remnants of ancient carriages that had come across that body of water. I think it's interesting how science will confirm what the book says. Now, I warned Shirley already. I said, you're part of what I'm going to be preaching about today. She said, really? Really? <laughs> we have a history. She and I do. The Higsons have a history that we were involved with together. I remember Bud so well. Remember his funeral. Uh, maybe sometimes people don't understand how much a pastor loves the flock. But I'm going to tell you what. I don't know that that man ever ate a bite in my home. Or even had a cup of coffee. But he worked his way into my heart. I came back for the funeral. I was away. Betty said when we got to the funeral, she said, are we going to go up and pay our respects? I said, what's what we always do? I'd always, I always go up just before the service starts. Sometimes things sneak up on us. I walked up to that casket and I lost it. Well, pastor's not supposed to lose it. 
I can't help it. I stood there and I sobbed. Ronnie came to me afterwards. He said, Pastor, he said, I thought we were all in trouble. He said, I watched and he said, I thought he's not going to be able to do the service. We have a history, don't we, Shirley? I remember one day Ronnie called me. You still had that white Cadillac. He said, I need your help. I said, what do you need? He said, Shirley called and she said, the antenna, being a power antenna, fancy stuff. I haven't seen a car like that in ages. Fancy stuff. Where, where, when you turn the key off, the antenna goes back down. Turn it on, back up. Well, it went in one direction and the little motor that drove it would not turn off. He said, could you go over and unplug that? I said, sure, but I think you brought the car over. Uh, well, I'm at a point in life where I remember the past a lot better than I remember yesterday. We have a history. All of us. Now, for the children of Israel, they knew what happened at Sinai. Because in the Jewish homes, they're taught, talk about what you've seen me do. Take it to the table. Tell your children at the table. Repeat the story over and over again. They knew the history, even though they weren't there. And the writer's telling God's people here, what I talked to you about was not your history, but you have a copy of the history in your heart. And he goes on to talk about it. I want to read that part again. No, that's not your experience at all. You've come to Mount Zion, the city where the living God resides. The invisible Jerusalem is populated by throngs of festive angels and Christian citizens. It is the city where God is judged with judgments that make us just. You've come to Jesus, who presents us with a new covenant, a fresh charter from God. He, Jesus, is the mediator of this covenant. The murder of Jesus, unlike Abel's, became a proclamation of grace. Unlike Abel's, a homicide to cry it out for vengeance. Now, where we are, right now, at this juncture in time, We gather together. And where we are becomes Zion. We sing that old hymn, We're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion. That beautiful city of God. The writer in Revelation talks about the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. My friends, we are experiencing that even now. This is a critical time in the life of the church. And you need to know, 
number of people never has bothered me. The first church I served, there were services, but there was only me and the piano player. I preached my heart out. She told me one Sunday, she said, Pastor Birchall, I love your preaching, but she said, you have to understand when the farmer goes out to feed the cattle, he doesn't unload the whole barn at one time. <laughs> Some things have been hard for me to learn. The invisible Jerusalem is populated by throngs of angels and Christian citizens. We have to be careful today to not get drawn into, first of all, the lie, because the devil is still a liar. He is the father of lies. He is the accuser of the Christian. Part of this says that Jesus is the judge. I don't know if you've ever been in a courtroom. I'm going to tell you what, I, I accompanied a friend of mine. He asked me, he said, I've got to go before a judge. Would you go with me? Yeah, I'll go with you. It's intimidating. I'll stand. The honorable blah, blah, blah has entered the courtroom. Well, Elvis had left the building. So. <laughs> but it's intimidating. The way that the courtrooms are even designed. But you see, that's human beings' judgment. And do you realize that even in human beings' judgments, you can go in to litigate a problem, and the judge gives his opinion on it and casts his judgment. Well, it might be bad for one of the other people, but somebody is going to benefit by judgment. We cannot lose this case. Because Jesus is the judge. I may be a resident. I may uh, be a citizen of the United States of America. I may be a part of a political party. But the kingdom of God is where my allegiance is. Because everything that can be shaken is already being shaken. And dear friends, the kingdom of God will remain when everything else is gone. The kingdom will remain. And you see the beautiful thing about serving this king? We're justified. When we're judged because of Jesus, God sees us through the blood of Christ and is able to embrace us. You see the struggle at Sinai was that people could not approach the power of God. They saw it. And isn't it amazing? They talked about how God brought them out of Egypt's bondage. And in fact, on the other side, when they assembled, and whenever they knew they were liberated and protected by the power of God, they stopped and took time to go out and dance, a holy dance to praise the Lord. You cannot go wrong praising the Lord. You cannot go wrong worshiping him because he, in fact, is our king. At home, even when we just ask the blessing, maybe over a bagel or peanut butter and jelly or a steak, doesn't matter what it is, 
You know, God says, remind me. Remind me. He doesn't have a bad memory like I do. Two things happen. When we remind God, we are honoring God. We are worshiping God. Even at the table, when we ask the blessing. And you know what I remind him? God, you are our king. We are your servants. Call us into the throne room. Tell us what to do. God will do it. Sometimes people may look at you like you're crazy because well, God will do things out in public if we listen. Huh? We were at a restaurant. Some of you probably are familiar with the Chad and Chew near McCool. Went in there. I'm going to tell you what. I've been vegan for a long time, but I had one outstanding omelet <laughs> with ham in it. And we're sitting there, and we love to be together. We enjoy being together. Even with the fact that six and a half years ago when we were married, I signed a document that said I would be responsible. And I'm responsible because she's always right. <laughs> a young couple walked into the restaurant. And, and we were pretty well done with our meal. And, and they passed us and sat down at a booth. And they did what I see a lot of people do today. I, I watch couples come into a restaurant. We eat out a lot. We, we don't cook very much. You know, y'all, sure, you remember, Betty was a cook. Oh, my goodness, that woman could cook Italian food. I had to go clear to Greensburg to pick up a special cheese for lasagna she liked to make. I don't cook. But you know what I've learned since Sandy and I have been married? I can cook eggs seven different ways. <laughs> but I don't know what they are till I'm done and put it on the plate. This couple came in and sat down, and uh, the Holy Spirit quickened me. This is not easy, but a part of our victory and a part of seeing God's miracle working power is moving beyond our comfort zone. This young couple sat down, they, they sat down with their phones. As soon as they sat down, both sides of the table. They're playing with their phones. And the Lord said, go talk to them. Well, you see, I'm a kind of person. I will say, why? <laughs> and what do you want me to do when I get there? And you see, a part of moving in the Spirit is being willing to do what He tells you to do because He's our King and we are His servants and being willing to go and know that when we get there, if we need to know more, He'll tell us. Now, in spite of what I saw, I walked up to the table and the Lord quickened me and said, tell them that you've noticed their close relationship. And I'm standing there thinking, Lord, this ain't right. 
But I, I obeyed him. I said, I want to tell you, I said, I appreciate this, the close relationship you two have. Well, she just started beaming. And he had a hood up over his head. And, and he, he wouldn't, look, wouldn't look at me. And I said, you know what? I said, it's so wonderful because what you're experiencing in your relationship is multiplied when Jesus is involved. And when I said that, that young man pulled his hood back and he looked me in the eye. He said, man, he said, you're right on. And then I was quickened to tell him, you've got to get ready now. You know the Lord, but you've got to get ready for what's coming on the face of the earth. That's part of the message here today. Listen. Last Sunday, that was the title of Sandy's message in her churches. Listen. Where they'd been up on the mountaintop. The Mount of Transfiguration. Listen. When God's voice spoke and said, this is my beloved son. Told the disciples, listen to him. Wow. Some sermons are right to the point. And she brings it right to the point. Hey, you know what? I'm her husband. She told me we got married. She said, hey, listen. She said, I don't expect you to go to both services on Sunday morning. You can pick out which church, because she has two churches. And I said, but I want to go to both. She said, but it's going to be the same sermon. I said, nah. I said, the Holy Ghost makes it different. You may deliver the same information, but the quickening power of the Holy Ghost makes it different. And I've watched it. Because you know what? For six and a half years, I've gone to both services. Early in the week, she, she might mention, might mention, here's some scriptures the Lord's laying on my heart for Sunday. I never know what her sermon is until I'm sitting in a church with the rest of the people. Listen. That's part of this message today. Listen. Don't turn a deaf ears to these gracious words. If those who ignored earthly warnings didn't get away with it at Sinai, remember, Moses would come down and say, here's what the Lord says. And the response from the congregation, from the children of Israel, we'll do what he said. Moses would go back up, come back down with another message. Here's what God says, we'll do what he said. And while they were still camped below Sinai, they decided to do what they wanted to do. You remember the story? The golden calf. One of the leaders right under Moses helped the people of God disobey what God said to do. It's frightening to me today how there are people daring to make a lie out of God's word. It's frightening to me as a child of God, first of all, and as one who has preached the gospel to see people who will look and pick and choose what they want and say, well, this other thing, I don't believe that that was really what God wanted to say. If you don't get your truth from the one who is the truth, the life and the way, where are you going to get your truth? 
But some people, because they have ignored some doctrine, God has delivered a lie to them. And they will not make heaven their home. My heart is breaking. As I see leaders in churches, in denominations, who are telling a lie to the people of God and the people who are accepting the lie. But you know what's great? God is merciful. Or I wouldn't be here today. God is merciful. A man approached me for some counseling. And I knew he was backing away from some of the things he was doing at church. And he came to me privately and he said, he said, I just, I need to back away. I can't do these things right now. He said, nothing has, no one has done anything to me. He came and he said, I need to talk with you. And he told me, he said, I've been living in sin. Still coming to church. I've been living in sin for two years. And once again, because God is my king and I'm his servant, and God said, tell him that when he asked me to forgive him, I forgot it. It's cast away. So I told him, I said, you need to understand. I said, God bless you for humbling yourself. And I said, you've asked God to forgive you. He said, yeah. But he said, it's just horrible. I said, yeah, it is horrible. But I said, you need to know that the minute you ask God to forgive you, it was gone. That's the mercy and the grace of God, dear friends. Now this side of the cross, God is still speaking. This scripture declares that at Sinai, God shook the earth. God created signs. God showed up in a dense cloud. God was there. God is here now. But now, God is not just shaking the earth. God's shaking everything. I hear people say, with this mess that we've gone through with COVID, I I just pray we get back to normal. Number one, don't. Don't pray to get back to normal. And you don't need to participate in this thing that says this is the new normal, because, dear friends, a new normal is not even here yet. And what we're seeing is things that we have held sacred in our heart, our Constitution, is being ignored by the very leaders who take an oath to support it. I'm not going to get into a political discussion here. I'm talking about the symptoms of what is taking place. Satan knows his days are numbered. No one may know the moment when Jesus is going to return, but Satan knows the book better than most of us ever could begin to understand. And he knows that because of prophecies that are being fulfilled all around us, 
but his time is limited. Praise the Lord. But as this shaking has taken place, mark my words, hear the word of the Lord today. There are denominations that will crumble. Church denominations before our eyes will crumble because of their false foundation. Their denominations set up what's called a creedal belief. And in their creedal belief, they say, all right, we believe this, this, and this, and if you don't believe every one of them, you cannot be a part of us. Well, I don't see that in the book anywhere. I believe we should follow the truth of the gospel. John Wesley put it this way. He said, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died and rose the third day and is sitting at the right hand of the Father, shake my hand, you're my brother. John Wesley never started out to start a denomination. That wasn't his intent. In fact, he died an Anglican priest praying for revival in the Church of England. God is going to take us out the door to meet people on the street. There's a man that I know in Cumberland right now. Where are we? man I know in Cumberland right now spent 20 years in prison for a crime he did not do. And he told me, he said, Hey, I've done things I should have gone to prison for, but he said, what they sent me to prison for, I did not do. But he said, I'll tell you what happened. He said, the king of glory put me away because he wanted to become acquainted with me. And he said, I remember the battles that I had in prison, he said, because I went in there demanding respect. And he said, I remember one day a prisoner come by and he said he elbowed or, or shouldered me as he walked by. Almost knocked me down. And he said all of a sudden he called a lock, lockdown. He said something else was going on in another part of the prison. And he said I was locked in a cell long enough. I was able to make myself a knife. Because he said when they left us out, I was going to pay him a visit. And I was going to put him down. But here, here is this just God who makes us just. He said, they came around and said, you're getting ready to get out to eat. He said, I had my knife already in my pocket. And he said, I waited. He said, there's a sequential doors that open one at a time in this big circle. He said, I was standing there. Just before my door opened, there that man appeared. He said, I slipped my hand in, that, in my pocket, and I thought, it's going to be it. I'll show him what respect is. And he said, God, showed up and said, you're not going to do it. He said, that man walked up to my jail cell as I stood there weeping. And he said, God was getting ready to change my life. This man went to St. Patrick's Church downtown. They have this great big old building. It used to be a convent. And he went to the priest and he said, I want to operate a ministry out of that building. How much do you want to rent it to me? 
The priest smiled and he said, if you're going to use it for the work of God, he said, you go in there and do it. Here's the key. Never even ask him. You Baptist? You Methodist? You Catholic? God opens doors in the middle of the shaking. In the middle of what they're calling a global reset. In the middle of what will end up in a global jurisdiction. In the middle of a time where we have benefited by the freedom that God gave this great nation. We're being controlled by our government. And don't get me wrong, this COVID's nothing to mess with. I evidently have had it twice. First time I had it, I, I went to the doctor several times. I finally got to see my family doctor. And I said, I believe I have COVID. No, it wasn't here that soon. I said, okay. Well, just to make sure then, it must have hit me a second time. But I praise God because I'm able to stand here today. I praise God because we can intervene for those who have suffered so badly. This is for real. And it's fulfilling scripture. Now, I've got to wrap this up. God's given us an unshakable kingdom. And what that means is this, that no matter what changes tomorrow, Jesus Christ is still the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. In the Old Testament, God spoke through the prophet and said, I am God and I change not. Now you and I may end up not liking some things that happened. You and I I may end up carrying burdens that we never imagined we would carry in this life. But dear friends, I promise you, because we are part of the kingdom, God will keep us. God will shield us. God will protect us. God will provide for whatever needs we have because God is faithful. God is good. And all the time. And as your pastor taught you, that's God's nature. I was here the Sunday he talked about it. Now, the scripture declares where sin abounds, there grace much more abounds. And one of the things you can expect, and I've always, I already talked to your pastor about it, miracles. In this church, you've already experienced some of them. I know you have. I've heard, you see. But there will be a move of the Spirit in this church where miracles will happen spontaneously as you worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I was in a revival on the West Coast. I was playing for a friend of mine. We'd crossed the country, gone from one revival to another. We got to a little uh, place called Delhi. And the, uh, the whole scene from when we got there, nothing seemed like it was working out. The pastor was in trouble with the people, and there was a nasty note on the pulpit. And the pastor said, you're not scheduled for a revival with us. Well, he better have, because we didn't have another cent to put any more gas in the tank. That's as far as we were gone. First night of the revival, just a handful of people came out. 
But in the very back of the church, there was a young mother with a baby in her arms. And this was hot weather, but she had this crocheted hat on the baby's head. The man's name I was working with was Randy. And as he finished preaching that night, the Holy Ghost spoke to him about that little baby. So he stopped, left the platform, and he pointed. He said, take that hat off that baby. The little mother said, no. I'm sitting at the piano, a piano a lot like this one. And he said, you know why you won't take that hat off that baby? He said, you don't want the people to see that big indentation in that baby's skull. See, God knows. This is part of the kingdom that's unshakable. And he said, if you'll take that baby's hat off, God's going to give that baby a miracle right where you're sitting. She grabbed that hat and yanked it off, and I heard a pop. I heard, you could see it. It was about the size of a tennis ball where that baby's head was caved in. And I heard a pop from clear up at the piano. That little mama lost it because a miracle took place. The next night, standing room only. Prepare. God has been here from the beginning. Ronnie and his wife have been faithful. God honors faithfulness to the kingdom. And God is going to bless this church because of you who are here this morning. And you be blessed now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.